0: You're listening to The Cathedral Podcast. To learn more about cathedral-like service times or how to get connected with a small group, visit wearcathedral.com. Today's message comes from Pastor Megan Turner.
1: How are y'all this morning? You look good this morning. Still fresh, beautiful weather. Um, I want to talk to you this morning about being vulnerable. Now, don't shut down okay, because then I'll have more work to do than I already do. Um, But I I think that if you give me a chance, I would like to shift your perspective on vulnerability. Is that a deal? Will you just give me a shot? Especially the men in the room, you know, like when a woman gets on stage to talk about vulnerability, every guy's like, oh, here we go. She wants me to open up. Just trust me, okay? Um, I think that Part of the journey with being married is that's so fun. There's there's lots of fun components. But one thing that I have really enjoyed is Luke and I have this thing where we like to share with each other about what our isms are. I don't know how to spell that word. It's grossly spelled wrong on my notes. So the, the, what I'm saying is ism, like a weird ism. Is that a word? Yeah, okay. So um, so we we will learn things about each other. And it's oftentimes, we all have them, but it's a fun conversation if you want to have them like with your friends or with someone that maybe you're dating or something. It's a fun way to get to know them. And then once you create this cognitive category, then you will begin to realize things you do that are just out of habit that you don't realize is different than everybody else. It's like your own isms, okay? So for example, like, I didn't know that I have an ism until Luke pointed it out that when you go to the microwave to heat something up, do you heat it up for, like, 30 seconds or for one minute? Yes? See, I just – I like to pick random numbers. So – Like if I'm going to put something in the microwave, it'll be like 36 seconds. Like wherever my hand lands, it's never, ever the same number. And it's never just an even, like never 10 seconds or 30 seconds. Luke always, like 30 seconds, the same amount of seconds. When Luke takes a shower in the morning, he does the same order, like wash this, wash the hair. But when I get in the shower, like I might shave first, I might wash my hair first. It's different every time I get in. But you, you know what I'm talking about now. Like you're, I have an ism. I don't like to be barefoot. Like bare feet on the ground. But You don't like that either. Somebody else. And last, I cannot stand to feel stuff on the bottom of my feet. It's disgusting, right? Yeah. So I always have on socks. I was like 100% of the time I have on socks. Even if I go outside, like in the driveway, I have my socks. You too. Okay. See, I, we're so, I'm so vulnerable. We're connecting at a deeper level, right? <laughs> Me and those two. Um, so, but then I don't like my socks to be in the bed because they're dirty, like my feet would be. So I have to take them off. I can't even get in the bed at all with my socks. In. Okay. Luke does not like to hear you chew. I don't know if this is an ism or like a condition. It is my, his, <laughs> my crossover. I think it's, I think this might be a common one. Does anybody else mouth noises bother them? I think that's more of a common thing, more common than the microwave. Um, Yeah. And he can hear it from like across the room. It's like an immediate shutdown. Um, and my, my youngest daughter has it too. Like (laughs) he'll leave. I do that like four more times and he's going to have to go to the bathroom. Um, (laughs) But what's fun is it's just fun to get to know somebody at a dif- different level, like fun things about them. People that you do life with, that's fun. We have this joke with our friends um, as we have this ism conversation that whenever we see it, we'll be like, um, you're peculiar is showing. Like I can see how peculiar you are right now. You're, you're showing it to the rest of the world. Um, But there's something fun about, and even though that's a surface level of vulnerability, there's something fun when you get to know somebody at a better level. And in Scripture, I think that um, there's a lot to be derived from whenever Jesus is encountering little children. Um, He's out doing ministry. And these kids come running up to him, and the disciples try to get him away, and they're like, back up, back up. And Jesus stops him, and he says, no, I want you to bring them to me, because as a matter of fact, if you really want to experience the kingdom like you should, you need to become more like them, more like children. And so I think that there's a lot to pull from that, but there is a part of children that love so openly and so without reserve, it, they are so vulnerable that you really want to experience life that way. You know, we were made, God designed us to connect. That's what we were here for. And so what happens as we age, we go through life, and we go through life hurts and experiences, and we're exposed to stuff. And so there's a degree where we pull back and we put up a wall. And and we are not as vulnerable as children are. My youngest daughter was Mother's Day this, this past weekend, and Luke had them write me a note. And so my youngest daughter wrote... Megan on the front of it and then Turner on the back of it. And then she wrote for every, you know, every letter in my name, she wrote like a characteristic about me. And so I was greatly moved. And then I flipped it over to the back for the Turner part. And like, well, on the front, first of all, like under Megan, the M said like Megtastic. And I was like, that's creative, Megtastic. Then on the back um, for the ER at the end of Turner, she put for the E, Immaculate. And I was like, well, that's interesting. Like, I'm one of the messiest people that I know. Like, that's an odd thing. But then I got to the R for Turner, and it said ratchet. (laughs) Yeah, I think we have a picture. Yeah. Ratchet. Um, And I was like, okay. First of all, by the way, she would kill me for sharing this. She's not in here, so do not see her in the hallway and say anything. That's too vulnerable. So I asked her, I was like, so So baby, you think mommy's like immaculately ratchet? Um, She goes, I don't even know what that word was, but I liked him. I was was like, okay. Uh, But it was sweet. She was was just willing to put it all out there without reserve. And so, um, but I just, can I, I really, I want to talk about being able to love without reserve. And if we were made to connect, And to be vulnerable, um, then I think the enemy goes after us hardcore to make that not happen. And so I really do think that even me this morning, I just want to be vulnerable with you guys and be real. And I I think God has big things in store for us this morning. So can I pray before we start? Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for this time, Father God. And and I thank you for being such an example of what we're going to talk about this morning. Um, The most vulnerable state that you could be in as a child and as a baby. And, Lord, that you loved us enough and the connection with us was such a priority that you put yourself in the most vulnerable state. And so, Father God, I pray this morning that we would learn from you and from your example and from your word and that you would change us. Lord, I pray that every one of us walk out of this room different today. I invite your Holy Spirit. Um, I pray your will. I pray your words out of my mouth, not me but you, Father God. I pray for every heart in this room, every heart that came in hardened. Lord, right now I just pray in Jesus' name that your hand would fall upon their heart and that there would be a softening that would happen. Lord, their mind and their thoughts that they would battle. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that they would subside. And we give the next few minutes to you and all that you want to do in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, It was eight years ago, and I've shared this story before, but I want to share a little bit of a different um, side to the story. It was about eight years ago that this past week that I had surgery. And I had surgery on my abdomen so they, um, they, they cut from hip to hip and had all kind of things like I think my bladder is in a meshling and my small intestines are in another meshling and all kind of fun stuff. And um, I went home that night and I was, I was pretty uncomfortable. Um, I got up to try to go to the bathroom and I, I fell out. So and for lack of a medical terms, I, I thought I passed out, but I guess I wasn't breathing, and that's not what happens when you pass out. So my sister, fortunately, was there, as well as one of my very best friends who was an ER nurse. And my sister had been working in the ER for six years at the time, and so she proceeded to do CPR until EMS got there. I remember waking up. I remember the EMS driver. He, had, I think he was kind, but he talked in a harsh tone. And I remember in the ambulance, he was like, Miss Turner, Miss Turner, either you're going to breathe or we're going to stick a tube down your throat. Like very. But I remember that moment of not breathing. I remember opening my eyes and seeing Macy and Luke, and I said, I'm dying. And Macy, Luke was praying really hard to Macy. He was like, you're not, Megan, you're not. I want you to fight. You're not, you're not. And so went to the hospital, ended up having an internal bleed from the surgery. So they took the wrap off and it was this big old like cantaloupe sized bleed in my abdomen. And so they went back in that night to surgery. They repaired the bleed, had a few, got some blood and um, went home, was doing better. About two or three days later, Luke takes the girls. He leaves to take the girls. Now I still have my parents and sister are there with me. Um, they take the girls to get some ice cream. And when Luke leaves the house, this the craziest thing starts happening to me. I, I can't breathe. I'm like sh- short of breath. I feel like an elephant is sitting on my chest, kind of like somebody's got like a belt wrapped around me. And I, I was shaking, and I, I remember telling Macy, something's wrong, something's wrong. And she says to my mom, I think she's having a panic attack. Now, Leading up to this, I had no history of anxiety, none, um, I and, and I had right to, one time we had our youngest daughter, our middle daughter had some brain bleeds, and we had to go to Boston's Children's Hospital. We had a house fire. My dad was burnt so it, pretty badly. So it wasn't that I hadn't experienced traumatic events, but something was different about this time. You know, in scripture, when it talks about that the enemy would like to put, that fear is kind of like a hook, and you know like how a fishing hook can go in, and it it hooks. Up. That's what I felt like had happened. Something had gotten hooked on the inside of me, and I had zero control of it. And so, this—the panic attack became the root of it. Was I wasn't fearful of something happening to me. I actually had felt like dying was very easy. It was peaceful. Me in heaven are good. I, and so, but what what lodged in me was it's so easy for something to happen. And I feel like I have such a love for the people in my life that all of a sudden I became frantic that something was going to happen to one of them. And I realized how easy it is for that to happen. And it felt like I had touched this experience and I was the only person living with this level of a reality. And I, I kept telling Luke, I feel like I'm on a giant ship And we're in this huge storm and there's these massive waves and anybody could pop off at any time. And all of y'all are living like we aren't even on a ship in a storm. Like y'all are just going on with life. And I've had this eye-opening experience as to how fragile your life is and how difficult it would be if something happened to you or, or one of the kids. Well, this began to spiral in me and it really began to take over. And so things that would used to would trigger anxiety or trigger panic now became there wasn't a trigger. It would just happen for no reason. And I was very frustrated and I got into the word and I went after the Lord and I I kept thinking, the more I pray, the more I pray, surely I can beat this. And um, I remember going and sitting down with a counselor who's a really good friend. She's been coming here for 30 years. And I was like, I send people to you all the time, but you're not going to be able to do anything for me. And she was like, I'm not, why not? And I was like, because the truth is, Everybody dies, 100% of people, so there's nothing you're going to tell me today that is going to change my mind. Now I know that, and I just know how easy it is. So this is all just a waste of time, bad place. Um, we, so we ended up going out to dinner with a couple that I've known for years. They've come to the church for years. Um, we went out to eat with them, and he had had some military experience and had had some trauma himself. We sat across the table, and he shared his journey with anxiety with me. Now, mind you, I had been talking to people, my dad, Luke, Macy, to everybody that I had in my life was so attentive to the struggle that I was having. But whenever I sat across the table from him, and he opened up and was vulnerable about his experience and how it made him feel and what the anxiety was like for him, I left that dinner with a completely different level of hope because I had connected with someone and and Luke was able to hear him talk that I knew knew what I felt. It wasn't that it changed if I was feeling that way anymore. It wasn't that it 100% fixed it. But talking to someone that had experienced what I felt and got it made me feel normal. Like what was happening with me was not, you know, this... I wasn't abnormal. And so it was this point for me that it was a huge turning point. Because you know in scripture whenever David, I love, I love Psalms. And I feel like that David is just very vulnerable and wide open with his heart. But I love in Psalms whenever he's saying to the Lord, he says this in Psalms 13. How long, Lord, will you forget me? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts? How many of you have felt like you are wrestling with the same thought over and over again. And you're like, God, why? Like, what I'm ready for this to be gone. Um, And day after day have sorrow in my heart. How long will the enemy triumph over me? That's exactly where I was. So to be able to sit down and have a conversation with someone. And now have a, a paradigm shift from where I was. Just from talking to someone. It was like God showed me a new way through someone else's vulnerability. And at that point I realized... That if I, the things that I value in my life, if I'm going to have what I value, which is creativity, which is joy, trust, and authentic, real relationships. If that's what I value, then I have to choose to be vulnerable. Because if I don't, I don't get to have that. And so my struggle with the anxiety very easily could have been something that was just something that we battled and I figured out on my own. But what I have found so much hope in because I value those things, the joy that Luke and I have when we get to sit down with other people and they say, I feel like sometimes I can't breathe or I feel like I have anxiety and I get to connect with them on that level. That for me is when I realize this is how God designed it. This is what God means when I designed you for connection and your vulnerability is what makes that happen. You know, uh, the way I like to think about it is like a suitcase. So I don't know about you, but when I pack, I always do it like the night before we're about to leave with no time in advance. In addition to that, when we're there, you know, we have, we have um, three daughters and so we have lots of luggage. Luke will always say, do you think we can put everything in a carry-on? I'm like, never. We're, ne- we're never going to be the backpack family that just go with a backpack. <laughs> um, so, But what we do is I like to zip up this side of the suitcase and leave the top open. And that's our laundry basket while we're on the trip. Okay, so when you wear something dirty, then you just stuff it in here. And then whenever we get done and we're about to leave, then I take all of it and I put it in this little pocket right here, all the dirty clothes. No, my suitcase is never this little. This is just for the illustration. <laughs> I put it all in this side and I close it up so that when I go home, I just unzip this side. All of the dirty clothes go straight into the laundry basket. I mean, into the washing machine. And then the other ones get put away. And it's like the dirty clothes don't make the clean clothes dirty. Does that make sense? And when I was thinking about this vulnerability, I was thinking, I think we want these authentic relationships. We want to do life There's a longing inside, but oftentimes what we do is we share with people and we open up with people, but we tend to leave the dirty part zipped up and closed. And when we leave it zipped up and closed, it doesn't ever get washed. You know, it's like we pretend to be all of this and we hide all of this. But the truth is, when you look at Scripture, it says that there is no one, not one of us, that is righteous. No one is without sin, is what it says in Romans. No, not one. And then if you look farther and you look in James, it tells you that when you confess to one another, that that's when you will be healed. So why then, if I, nobody, we're all struggling, and when I tell you my struggle, I find healing, then why do we do that? Why do we keep that closed? Like what part of us makes it one? We, it's like we pretend to not have those problems. And here's the reality. God wants to bless you, but he can't bless the you you're pretending to be. He, he can bless who you are, not who you pretend to be. And so why, why do we do that? I think there are three reasons that we do that. I think the three reasons that we don't do that is because one is fear, two is shame, and three is comparison. I think we tend to compare. It is just human nature. Um, and I think shame is something that we all, if we all think that our dirty stuff is dirtier than anybody else's. And oftentimes, we are shamed about the past. But oftentimes, where a lot of shame comes from is our current struggle. What we currently are struggling with. And then I think fear. And all of these are, are, are natural things. Um, that all people have. But it's the reason why we aren't vulnerable. Um, this past Easter, we had um, the whole team was coming in, and we were all working on the service. And so there's a lot of people when you look at drama, dancers, musicians, tech team, everybody here. And so we, we all come from the final dress rehearsal. And that afternoon I was preparing for rehearsal. And um, I really felt like that God prompted me to have everybody that was coming to rehearsal, at rehearsal, to take their shoes off in the sanctuary and walk around the room and pray over these shoes. And then immediately, I was like, that's weird. That's so weird. You know? Like, people are coming from work. People are coming from the gym. Kids are coming from sports. The room is going to smell like... That's not... The Holy Spirit's not coming in if the room smells like that. So... But but God kept on. I mean, I really felt pressed to do this. And my vision was that everybody has walked their own difficult journey. And everybody that was going to come in here on Easter Sunday had taken a road and, and had, you know you, the saying, if you could walk a mile in their shoes? We have no idea the journey people have walked in this room. But my prayer was that everybody that came from all walks would experience God. And so Dave walks in that afternoon, Dave Ammons, and he said, do you need anything for tonight? And I said, Dave... I I've got this vision of everybody taking off their shoes and praying. Everybody. He's like, I love that idea. I was like, great, then we're going to do it. So we did it, but I was fearful. I was fearful because I'm like, is this corny? And I want you to take a video, a look at this video that Wendy Vicari made. Um, she's one of the guest service people that was here that night. And take a look at what, how that played out after the shoe prayer.
0: For me, The confirmation from God is something that I pray for because it really helps me to know that when I'm praying for people or coming to Wednesday morning prayers and I'm putting my prayers out there, God is working. My name is Wendy Gutierrez. I have been serving here for about four years. I serve on guest services and Voices of Cathedral and also currently Growth Trek. Easter Sunday, I was serving on guest services and I enjoy the balcony. I like to be in the balcony because it gives me an opportunity to pray over the whole, the whole area. Before Easter service, we came in and Megan uh, invited us to the dress rehearsal for the Easter production. And she had us take our shoes off and she asked everyone to put their shoes on the floor and um, walk around the, the room and pray over the chairs and pray over the shoes we kind of were just praying for God to do something amazing. Well, I immediately started walking around, but my prayer was, get them in here. Just get them in here, God, no matter. Turn the cars in, move their feet, just get them through the door, and let us watch what you're gonna do. And there was a young gentleman who came in and sat down, and I immediately noticed his shoes. And I immediately started thinking back to the shoes and they were Air Jordans. So I immediately thought of Pastor Dave. So I was like, oh, those are Pastor Dave's shoes. And I walked over to him and I said hello to him and welcome in and I love your shoes. And he was like, oh, these shoes? I was like, yes, those shoes. He's like, they're brand new, I've never worn them before. I was like, wow, you brought some great shoes to church. And he's like, I've never been to church before. I've never been in a church in my life, and I woke up this morning, and this is where I am. When it came time to you know, ask for the altar call or ask for salvation, um, I immediately started praying, and he raised his hand during the altar call. So that was the first service. I, again, introduced myself to him. I prayed over him before he left. I told him, come on back. you know, If you ever need anything, my name is Wendy. I'll be here to assist however I can. Second service came, and it was in the balcony. The balcony was full and a gentleman came in and I showed him the seat. This is the seat, Have a seat next to me and I started talking to him and he said, "Um, you go to church here? I said, yes sir I do, my name is Wendy. You know, welcome, happy Easter. And he was like, never been to church before. Haven't even been home from last night. I heard my grandma tell me that I needed to go to church in my car, I heard her voice tell me that you need to get to church and I pulled in the parking lot and came to this church. Same thing, gave the altar call. His hand went up, but he extended his hand for me to take hold of his hand. So I took hold of his hand and immediately started praying for him. I just was so grateful that I was there exactly at the right time, and God would position me in such a place where some greatness happened that I could see. You know, I could see God working in two gentlemen who without knowing them personally, I could tell they were in some challenging spots, each individually, for them to come in on that day without even knowing why they were there. And then to be seated in the right spot was, again, just such a blessing for for me and for everyone involved. And it was all because we were praying over shoes. You know, how beautiful are the feet that carry the news of, of Christ. You know, like it started with a pair of shoes and it started praying you know, praying for people's shoes just to come in the door. And then it's kind of how it happens.
1: Um, so here's the reality. The three, I'm, I'm getting somewhere with this. Um, the three things i think that stop us from being vulnerable the fear the shame and the comparison i what we often tra- times try to do is we try to block it out so we don't even experience that but what i want you to do this morning is i want you to start looking at them differently instead of opting to not experience that it is going it's part of it's part of doing life so instead of trying to keep those things out of the arena, what if we invited them into the arena knowing that they're going to be there, but we take control over that? And so now I give them the seats that, they, that are rightfully suited for them. I give fear, shame, and comparison the cheap seats, right? And now I reserve the seats that are at the front for the ones that I'm vulnerable with that are my safe, vulnerable people. Then that's how I take control back. So Brene Brown does a lot of of stuff on vulnerability that you could, you could study for forever. And she does an analogy and she talks about a jar of marbles, but I've lost my marbles because I'm a mother. So I had a jar of pretzels at home. So today we have a jar of pretzels. Um, And, and she tells a story about her daughter who is in elementary school and she goes and she tells somebody in school a secret and the, The secret gets told to the rest of the class, and they are all just laughing uncontrollably. They can't stop laughing. Everybody's making fun of her. The teacher doesn't actually know what's happened. She just knows that the class is out of control. And so she's telling her mom, she said, the class was so out of control, laughing at my secret, that we lost marbles for that day. And so the teacher, like, reward system was that when the class was good, the marbles got added to the jar. And when the class was bad, they got stuff taken away. And so she said, we had marbles taken away because the class was so out of control and everybody was laughing at me. And she said, I'm never going to tell anybody anything ever again. I'm never going to trust anyone ever again. And Brene says to her daughter, I think that's not how we should handle it. I think the way that you need to look at it is the people that you need to tell your secrets to are your people that are Full jar marble people. So people that have deposited so much in your life that you know that they are your safe people. Because here's what happens. Oftentimes, life brings us hurts, disappointments, shaming events, and those things are withdrawn from the container, right? The wrong people, they withdraw from the container, and then you and I, close up so that we're not vulnerable so that then the right people cannot fill up our jar. And we live that life half empty because we're not vulnerable because we don't ever want to touch that again. And now we live robbing the connection that God intended for you and I to have with people. Because there is a vulnerability that happens when you are open to the right people and your jar is continually being filled. And when you're able to fill in other people's jars. So then when we sit down together and I say, I too know what it feels like to have anxiety. And it is such a struggle. And now something is added to your jar because you're vulnerable, but yet you're normal. And that's okay. And that's where we find healing. But the enemy would love to close that up. So instead of closing that up because of shame and fear and comparison, you put them in their seats, the cheap seats, and you find your safe people that you become vulnerable with. Now, oftentimes, it's easy. What, this is, what I am not saying when I say finding the right people, do not say, this is a huge red flag when somebody says, um, no, I don't care what anybody thinks. Because when you don't care what anybody thinks, then you're not being vulnerable. But when you're determined, you're self-valued by what other people think. Then you've lost yourself. So there's a balance. Now, and there are times, there are times when you really don't care. You know, like when you're exasperated and you don't care, we just can't stay there. We, Luke and I, um, got to, invited to go on a, a paid for cruise by a couple that we had let stay at the house for a little while during a move. So we had never been on a cruise before. I had never seen, still have never seen blue water. You know, like the blue water you see in. You know, like on everybody's cruise pictures. So I'm so excited. We're going on this cruise. I'm going to see blue water, and it's paid for. I mean, it was like the best. Well, the problem is I get really motion sick. Luke gets very motion sick. So, But the doctor says, don't worry. He's got a patch that you can put behind your ear, and it's going to make everything better. And then everybody else, all the cruisers in life, say, the boat is so big, you're never even going to know that the boat's moving lie. Those are the liars of the world. So we are, um, we are inside of a restaurant about to leave. And all of a sudden I was like, the boat's moving. They're like, what? I was like, the boat's moving. We just started moving. How did you feel that? I was like, how do you not? How do you not feel that right now? So it was about like two hours and I am like green, sick. I'm like, oh, this is going to be a really long five days. Like this is, well, what am I going to do? No problem. We put the patch on. I put the patch on right away. A few hours later, Luke puts the patch on. What I didn't know is that sometimes the side effect, do you know, does anybody know where I'm going right now? I wake up the next morning, go to bed that night, wake up the next morning and I grab my phone to look at my phone and I can't see my phone. (laughs) That is a side effect for some that it dilates your pupils, and you. I mean, I was blind. I woke up blind, so I'm sick and I'm blind, and I was like, "This." So I'm like, "Babe, I, can't, babe, I can't see." I wait, look up. I'm like, "I can't see." Like, it looks like, "Babe, this you're being so dramatic." And I was like, "There's nothing dramatic." So we try to go to breakfast, and I'm like. We sit down and I get the menu and I'm like, I I can't, I I don't know what's in the menu. Luke's like, babe, are you going to do this the whole time? You're going to keep this act going the whole time. And I'm like, so we, I can't, I'm like, I can't see. I can't see. It's storming. Nobody's even on the deck. Everybody's in their room. So we go back. We're like, let's just go back and take a nap. This is after lunch. So we go back, we take a nap. Luke takes a nap. Luke is getting very sick. Luke is actually more motion sick than me. We wake up from our nap. Guess who can't see? drama boy himself can't see and i'm like are we really gonna be this dramatic the whole time and i said to him he was like no i he was like no i really can't see like his can't see is worse than my can't see and um and uh i was like i'm just gonna say this and i'm just gonna say it one time but the lord does not like ugly right (laughs) So I, uh, so by the time we get to the night, y'all, it is so rough. The storms are so bad. We're both blind. We can't eat. It's stormy, and they announce that we're not going to where we were going to go for a day. We're going to sit out in the ocean because the storms are so bad. So Luke calls like the operator, like the cruise ship operator. He picks up and dials zero, and he's like, "Hey, I just need to know how to get how to get off the boat." <laughs> the lady's like sorry, you can't get off the boat. And he's like, there's got to be a way to get off the boat. Like, people have to get. She's like, we're in the middle of the ocean. Like, where are you going to go? And he's like, what do, what do people do if, if you're sick? She's like, well, we have an infirmary. He's like, no, I just need to get off the boat. There's got to be a way to get off the boat. She's like, no, when we stop at the next port. So Luke and I finished the trip blind. I, I, clearly, our vision came back when we got back. But I still have never seen blue water. It was... Um, but it was such a vulnerable moment and Luke did not care. I mean, like when I say you don't want to be, like, you don't want to not, he didn't care what anybody, the operator, he didn't care who was that vulnerable. But we have to be careful because God, you, you have to have the right people that care. And let me touch on this really quick. Um, unfortunately, there are a lot of people that have had, Pieces of them violated and stuff taken away, and it was not up to you. Um, a lot of people have grown up in childhood experiences where there was a piece of you that was violated that something shut off on you that God really would like to reopen. And the here's the thing is God wants really big things for you. And I think oftentimes whenever we say God has God-sized dreams... We think of things that like Billy Graham did. But what if I said to you, the God-sized dream that he has for you is for you to be okay with being 100% yourself. That is a God-sized dream. Because when you're 100% yourself, that means you have 100% of you to give to other people. Which means you are the hands and feet of God. What about you as a husband? Because vulnerability can oftentimes get passed off as a feminine word. But are you strong? And are you a protector? And are you a provider? And do you want to keep her safe? Well, you as a vulnerable man gives you the space to do that. Because now you have the ability to be so in tuned with her emotional state. You get to be aware of what she needs and how she needs to be protected. And how she the words that she needs. So when you do that as a man, it makes you that much more capable as a man. So your vulnerability, although some might think the word means weakness, true vulnerability is real strength. And I, as we end, I, I want to show you this video, um, and it is—it's a video of the woman at the well, and it's—it's it's from the series Chosen. And what I love about it is I want you to watch the whole clip because. Jesus at this point has not announced to everybody that he is the Messiah. He's told no one. He shows up to the woman at the well in the middle of the day. Most women would not be there in the middle of the day. They would be with everyone else. And so obviously she's there because she's trying to avoid seeing everyone else. She has been with multiple different men. She has a lot of shame. And you see that in the video that she is carrying that and that she is shut down. I want you to watch at what God can do in our life... When we touch him and we experience the freedom of the fear and the shame and the comparison and we return to that state of being truly made vulnerable in a Christ-like way, I feel like you see her. She's a Samaritan woman, which in the time Jewish men wouldn't interact with someone like that. Um, And so the fact that he is interacting with her and it speaks volume to her. But I need you to envision yourself in two ways. I want you to envision yourself as the woman. And being all exposed, like all of the dirty side of your laundry open, but yet experiencing and encountering that kind of acceptance and love. Watch when she realizes all that she is is okay. He's still it's the first person he chose to tell he was the Messiah to a broken battered shameful woman and I want you to watch Jesus because if our goal is to be more Christ-like than every man in this room I want you to watch the strength and dignity that he has yet vulnerable at the same time and the freedom that his love offers her take a look
3: told me everything I've done. Oh, he must be the Christ!
1: <laughs> hey, wait!
0: <laughs> your water! You forgot your, um...
1: I see a man. you told me everything I ever did!
3: Rabbi, <laughs> <laughs> um, we've got food. What would you like?
2: Ah. I have food to eat that you do not know about.
1: Who (laughs) got Does that make sense? Like that we're the hands and feet of Jesus. No one, not one is righteous. And when you confess to one another, That's where the healing is. Does it make sense now why the enemy would push so hard against vulnerability? Against you? So if a value that you have is joy, authentic relationships, I think it's time for some of us to just take the lid off and quit pretending and just be you. Be you and let God dream God-sized dreams for you. You know, I think about back in scripture, you know, like when Abraham um, goes to tell Sarah, you know, they're really old and she has dreamed to have children. And so he, he's with God and then he, he comes back to Sarah and he says, actually, the Lord told me that you're going to have so many descendants, Sarah, that it's going to outnumber the stars and the sky." And, like, I imagine her being gray-headed with, like, a walker and, like, hard of hearing, you know. And she's like, what? What did you say? That's vulnerable dreaming. That's vulnerable enough to dream that God can make you really who you were created to be. Or What about Noah? Like, can you imagine Noah's family when he's like, all right, guys, here's what we're going to do. It's never rained, but we're going to build a boat. And you, you're going to get the wood and you're going to get the animals and bring them in two by two. That's vulnerable. But what would your dream be? If you you were vulnerable enough to believe, what if I told you that next month you would love you? That that for some of you would be as far-fetched as believing that Noah was going to build an ark. What if I told you that this time next year, the relationships that you're in, that you'll feel safe, that you'll feel loved, and that you'll be okay to be you and feel like you are contributing to the relationship. What if I told you that your depression and anxiety that you feel like write you off as incapable would be the very story that helps heal other people? Because for some of you, that's such a big God-sized dream. It's as far-fetched as Sarah having that many descendants. And God's just asking you, would you be vulnerable enough? Find people and open up. Stand up. Let me bless you as you go. I bless everyone in this room with the the capacity to take the mask off. Find the right people. Some of you have been letting people deposit into your life, and you know the people that you need to give the cheap seats to. Move them to the cheap seats. Put the people that believe in you in your life, put them in the right seat and give them the right say in your life. You have those people. Father God, I bless everybody in this room with the capacity to take the lid off. I give a supernatural wisdom to have insight into the people that they need to place in their lives in the right position. And I bless everybody in this room with a vulnerability To live out the values that you have in your life. That they would find joy, authentic relationships. Lord, that they would dream God-sized dreams. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you guys. Have a wonderful week. See you next Sunday.
0: You've been listening to The Cathedral Podcast. If you were encouraged by today's message, leave us a rating and hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have any questions about today's message or just want to reach out, send an email to questions at cathedralemail.com. Thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Have a blessed week.